This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I mean, have you ever taken one of these laser pointers and, and played with a cat? <laughs> I mean, that cat, you can see in that cat this great hopeful anticipation. It's kind of cruel. And, and you know, on the cat's face as he, he jumps to that spot where that laser is, you know, and then you move it around and he, and he keeps pouncing in this, this, in this, this, this pounce of expectation. He's going to get it now, but it escapes again. That's a picture of man. That's a picture of man trying to labor to bring himself peace and rest to his soul. And when the Lord Jesus Christ, come unto me, all you that labor, he's addressing those who in, those, those who in life, they're just exhausted. They're like that cat. They're frustrated. They're like that hamster. They're just trying to bring rest to themselves by their works. Well, the wonderful counselor says, stop, stop, because Come unto me, all ye that are trying to catch the wind. Come unto me, and I'll give you what you've been trying to work for, the rest, all for all the rest in life, who they think that they can, by their own works, bring rest in their soul, who think they can catch the wind. His counsel, his wonderful counselor is, come unto me, come unto me. Okay, maybe not now, maybe later, but come unto me, it's still there, it's an invitation. So this first invitation is for those who feel like, they're, like, like life for them is like a blacksmith, they're just one pound, one bang after another, incessantly, with each bang, it's more and more disturbing in their soul. And for those, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor. And then there's a second group of people, and he describes this invitation where he says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, all ye that are heavy laden. Now, this invitation is for those who have labored, and now they're just feeling the effects of it. They're, this invitation is for the hamster that's fallen over by the side of the spinning wheel now. Because that's heavy laden. It's a passive state. It's a feeling of misery, feeling miserable. The first state of labor is the feeling of emptiness, working but emptiness, and the second is, 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 is just feeling miserable. It's different. It's frustration 
of not having attained. These two groups of people, the labor group who are just uh, who are working hard and getting no peace and rest of their soul, the heavy laden who have just uh, slumped down into a state of misery with no peace and rest of the soul, he says, come unto me. I mean, here's God. This is amazing. He has, God has chosen to dress himself in human flesh of a poor Jewish peasant of 30 years old. And for those who saw themselves as described by Revelation 3.17, Revelation 3.17, because as I sayest, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I mean, they looked at those people, they looked at him at the poor Jewish peasant of 30 years old, and they made the following conclusion. Isaiah 53, 2, they concluded, he hath no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire, desire him. They looked at him, and they said, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no form, not even close to Arnold Schwarzenegger, no form, no standing, nothing like Alexander the Great, no, 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 no beauty that we should, dis- so, their, so their conclusion was, Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, he's despised. He's rejected of men. But God looked at him and said, yes. They looked at him and said, no. God looked at him and said, yes. In Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, God looked at him and says a low, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They, they, God said, yes. They looked at him and said, no. They looked at him and said, no, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty in him that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men. But not every person came to that conclusion. And those in this group of labor and heavy laden who saw themselves, as it says in Revelation 3.17, Revelation 3.17, who saw themselves as wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, they received his words. They received his invitation of, of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me. And then he wanted them to know who, he, who they were coming to. So he told them how he pictured himself. He says, when I look in the mirror, this is what I see. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, I am meek and lowly in heart. Usually when a person says they're humble, that means they're not humble. <laughs> but not him. Because one look at his life shows he was humble. He's a wonderful counselor because he said, come unto me. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say, come to a new religion of Christianity. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say, come to a new understanding of truths. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say, come to a new set of beliefs. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say, come to a new church. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say come to a new lifestyle. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say come to a new day of worship, Saturday as a day of worship. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say come to a new set of dietary laws, don't eat pork. He's a wonderful counselor because he didn't say grasp these things. He's a wonderful counselor because he said come unto me. What he said was grasp me grasp me. He's a wonderful counselor because he said, come unto me to become friends, friendship with God. He's a wonderful counselor because he said, come, because he said, come unto me, and it means let's become companions. Let's become companions in life. That's a wonderful counselor. It's more than just believe in him. 
The devil and the, the demons, they also believe in him. They tremble, as it says in James 2.19, James 2.19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But, but they're not saved from their sins, the devil and the demons. The saved do not just believe in, they believe what the Greek word implies, they believe into him. Believe into him, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth into him should not perish but have everlasting life. The saved have accepted the wonderful counsel of come unto me, and they've come to him to become friends, to become companions with him. His wonderful counsel is to come unto me to receive eternal life. That's what he told those who were opposing him in John 5.40, John 5.40, you will not come to me that you might have life. You will not come to me that you might have life. Coming to him is to receive life. His wonderful counselor counsel is to come to him and never experience soul hunger, soul thirst again. He said in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth it says on, it means into. Believe the same word. Believeth into me shall never thirst. His wonderful counselor is, come to me, you'll never hunger. Come to believe into me, you'll never thirst. And he's a wonderful counselor when he says, come to me, because, you know, some think, first of all, I want to say this, his wonderful counselor is not only to come to me. You know, some people think that all his counsel is just to come to him and to escape hell and, and the penalty for their sins, and they think that's wonderful counsel because just to be forgiven for sin and go, go to heaven, and when they die, that's it. And, but that's only part of his wonderful counsel. His wonderful counsel starts there. That's the first part, come unto me. The second part is, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. This is all tied up with not I but Christ. That's to take my yoke upon you. A yoke is what oxen work under. They work under. A yoke represents work. And so his wonderful counsel is, his wonderful counsel is not, I will take your yoke upon me. It's not. It's not about us. After we come to him, he doesn't say, okay, I'm your friend now to help you in whatever you want to do. He, does, he says now, okay, you've come to me. Now I'm your genie in the bottle. You know, it's not the genie in the bottle to give us whatever we want, wherever we wish. He doesn't say, I'll take, he doesn't say, he didn't, he didn't say, I'll take your yoke upon me and, 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 and whatever you want to do, then it'll succeed. His counsel is, take my yoke upon you. Take a new yoke, which means abandon the old yoke of I and self and, and take the new, the new work program after coming to him is no longer our old program of what we want to do in life. It's now the new program of what he wants to, us to do in life. His wonderful counsel after coming to him is to abandon the old yoke of what we wanted to do on my way, I want to do in, in life, and to take the new yoke of what is thy will, Lord? What is thy will? His wonderful counsel is it, for us is to make him the Lord of our lives, to make him the authority in our lives. And he wants us to do this, and he asks the question. He says in Luke 6.46, Luke 6.46, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That doesn't go together. Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. You can't do that. 
You know, and Peter was told to, 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 to the, eat the, the, the pork with all this. She came down from heaven, and he said, not so, Lord, you can't have that. You have to take a pencil and cross out one or the other. It's either going to cross out the not so or cross out the Lord because they don't go together. And so he's saying that, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? His wonderful counsel is take my yoke upon you, which means call him Lord and do what he has to do, do what he says. Take my yoke upon you means accept his authority on our lives. Bend the knee, bend the stubborn will. Like you see, we see him doing in, in Mark 14, 36, Mark 14, 36, he didn't want that cup. He didn't want that cup of all the sins of the world. He said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he made this triumphant statement when he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt, that's taking the yoke. So to take my yoke upon you means that when there's a disagreement, he's right. That's the way it is. <laughs> when we make him the Lord of our lives, then we know this promise, take my yoke upon you, and you shall find rest unto your souls. We give up. When we give up in the disagreement and say to the Lord, you're right, we find something, peace, a rest to the soul. His wonderful counselor is not, come unto me, be pardoned from your sins, and then go on living your old life and whatever you want to do. That's not what he said. His wonderful counselor is, come unto me, all that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So the first part, the first part of the wonderful counsel is the, is the come unto me, the salvation come unto me to become friends and companions, which is to be saved from our sins, get the peace that he gives, the rest. And if a person stops there and only follows the first part of that wonderful counsel of being saved, and he doesn't submit himself the second part of the wonderful counsel of taking the, the yoke upon you, then he's described in 1 Corinthians 3.15. 1 Corinthians 3.15 said, if any, man's work, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. That's a miserable life because he's not living in obedience to the Lord. He's like Lot. He's like Lot, who's described in 2 Peter 2.7 and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. He wants his friends, but he doesn't want to offend them, but he wants to, why can't they be, why do they have to be so lost when they're lost? Why do they have to be so sinful when they're sinners? I, this is very disturbing to me. He vexed. He wishes his lost friends just didn't act so lost. And at the end of his life, when he goes to heaven, it's with shame. It's with shame because he's got nothing to offer the Lord for his life here on earth. And he's described as, as he'll be saved, but so is by fire. All his works were done for himself. He lived unto himself. He didn't live for God, and they were all burned up, and he has nothing to give to the Lord. That's what happens to a person who only follows the first part of his counsel, of his wonderful counselor, come unto me, counsel. The second part of his wonderful counsel is take his yoke on us which means accept this new life that it's going to be no, not I but Christ, no longer I. And from now on, it's going to be what he wants as I now serve him. That's to have both a public confession by way of I'm a Christian, a verbal confession, and also a public confession by way of a life that follows the Lord Jesus Christ. But if a Christian only takes the first part of his counsel, which is come unto me, be saved, the second part 
of his counsel, which is the authority in his life and doing what he, what he wants. But he, he then, and that's all he does? He doesn't take the third part? Then he, 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 he is a, a Christian who does not have what Nehemiah described in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord as his strength. He's a Christian who feels worn out. He's a Christian who's exhausted. He's a Christian who's constantly do, do, doing for the Lord without love, love, loving the Lord. That's why the third part of his counsel is so wonderful when it's so important in Matthew 11.29, Matthew 11.29, when he says, learn of me, learn of me. That's the third wonderful counsel for how to live life with joy and strength and excitement. He says, learn of me. He's not talking about a crash course on who the Lord Jesus Christ is, but he's talking about a practice, a practice of learning more and more about Jesus. And it's a starting of a journey of learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. The journey never ends. The journey never ends. As another hymn says, we become lost in wonder, love, and praise. When he said, learn of me, he, he, he was really saying, make the Lord Jesus Christ your first love, your first love. In other words, return to the time when the flower just began to open. It was the first bloom. It was the first bloom of love. When you were first saved and all you wanted was more about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show. I mean, there's some of the most tragic words that can ever be heard in a home is when a husband would say to his wife something like this, you are my wife and you are faithful to me. I know you would never be unfaithful to me as a wife. You make me feel so secure as a husband. I know that divorce isn't even part of your vocabulary. You are a faithful wife. And then he would say, you take care of the house flawlessly. You keep this house so clean you can eat off the floor. Everything is dusted. It's put away. You cook delicious meals. There's never any dirty dishes the next morning. You're a great housekeeping wife. He would say, I always have clean clothes. No one can iron a shirt like you can. People at work admire how, how, how well-pressed my shirts are. You are a wife that takes perfect care of her husband. You take care of the children perfectly. You lovingly pack their lunches. You take them to school. You pick them up from school. You arrange for them to have piano lessons. You work with them on their homework at night. No one can hold a candle to you as a mother. You are a wife that's a wonderful mother. You're faithful in church. You work in the nursery. You really care for those children at church. Everyone knows it. You're a church-loving wife. You know the Bible. You know the Bible so well. You can detect doctrinal error before the pastor can. <laughs> You're so well-read. You teach our kids the Bible. You're a spiritual wife. That's who you are. You're a virtuous wife. You're a faithful wife. You're a housekeeping wife. You're a wife who takes perfect care of her husband. You're a wonderful mother. You're a church-loving wife. You're a spiritual wife. I can't believe you're my wife. You're the wife that anyone would want. There's just one problem. You've changed. You don't love me anymore. You don't want to play anymore. Your eyes don't light up anymore when you see me like they used to. You don't run into my arms and, and say how much you missed me. You don't do that anymore. 
You don't squeeze my hand. You don't look in my eyes and tell me you love me anymore. And I know it. I know it. Is there any more heartbreaking words than something like that in a home? That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the church of Ephesus. In church of Ephesus in Revelation 2.1, Revelation 2.1, he said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and thou, how can, thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my namesake has labored, and has not fainted. Wow, what a list, right? Like the wonderful wife. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You know what he's saying there? You don't love me anymore. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, else I come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. That was the conversation that the Lord had with the church of Ephesus. I mean, they, they were wonderful. They followed the salvation counsel of come unto me. They were Christians. They had followed the Lord's second command of obedience, take my yoke upon you. They were doing, doing, doing so many works. So they were detecting error. They were say, they're saying, that's a lie, that's not true. How many times in that passage there, the Lord used the word works and labor. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. Canst not bear them, which are evil. Try them, apostles, they're liars. Born, patience. He's saying as far as works go, labor and patience, flawless, perfect. Just one problem. They didn't love the Lord anymore. They didn't love him anymore. Nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. The Lord's third wonderful counsel is love the Lord. Love the Lord. When he said, learn of me. In other words, don't let anything Draw your heart, draw my heart away from him. Keep me constantly in your mind. Make me, like the hymn says, your best thought by day and by night. Make, put me constantly in your mind. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, held on thee. This constant practice of learning more and more. So the first rest of salvation is given. And when a person lives of him, learns of him, then the second rest of assurance, I'm doing the right thing in life. That's something he finds, he finds. So what makes him a wonderful counselor also is the word all. When he said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He doesn't ask, what kind of insurance do you have? <laughs> okay, he doesn't keep anyone from coming to him. He welcomes all. He welcomes all who, with one qualification. You have to know the plague of your own heart. You have to know the plague of your own heart. That's what Solomon called it in 1 Kings 8.38. 1 Kings 8.38. He said, if any man will know the plague of his own heart and turn to you. That's the only restriction. And he's a wonderful counselor because he invited all who knew they were laboring, who knew they were heavy laden, who knew the plague of their heart to come to him. So what we've seen is more of what it means when it says the Lord is a wonderful counselor. He guides us. Saved by him, come unto me. Obedient to him, take my yoke upon you. In love with him, learn of me. Love springs from knowledge, and the more we know the Lord, the more we'll love the Lord. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor. Lord, help us to take to heart his counsel tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.